I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Janice Dean. I'm Juan Williams, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, July 12, 2021. I'm Trey Angst. Protests erupted this weekend in Cuba, with some calling on government leadership to step down. The Cuban economy is struggling amid COVID, and they're waiting in lines for hours and sometimes days for the groceries, and they're just tired, and they want to topple the Communist Party that is ruling there for so many years. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. Thousands of Cubans gathered in the streets of Havana this weekend amid food shortages and rising prices. Many chanted, we are not afraid. Police broke up the demonstrations in the capital that are considered unprecedented for the island. With rising coronavirus cases and government mistrust, the world is watching for what will happen next to the more than 11 million people living in Cuba. This is something that we haven't seen in decades. Um, thousands of people have marched in several towns in Cuba. For more on this story and others you might have missed over the past week, this is Jonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. Against the government and the they cried against the country frustrating COVID restrictions and the neglect of the economy. Um, they were marching and chanting despite the heavy police presence. And in sometimes we've seen in social media um, violent crack, crackdowns on some of the protesters. Um, we also have seen over social media um, videos of people storming into um, the government-run grocery stores. Um, in recent days, again, we learned only this, only after the fact with demonstration, the Cuban economy is crumbling and with without any incoming tourists, tourism because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the American sanctions, um, the people there are struggling. Um, so the things that we've learned after the fact because of the demonstrations, we learned that the Cuban economy is struggling amid COVID and amid the fact that there's no incoming tourism, a, a substantial part of their economy is relying on on the tourism and uh, people are basically hungry and they're waiting in lines for hours and sometimes days for the groceries. All of the um, stores are run by the government and so the government is deciding when and how to put out the, the essential daily means that they need and they're just tired and they want to topple the communist party that is ruling there for so many years. It's interesting because we didn't see such a major event spark these demonstrations, but the Cuban people are aware of the risks associated with these types of protests, especially in Cuba. And they were chanting, we are not afraid. And I think part of it is because of the social media. I think it was the first time we actually saw streaming live from um, Havana, Cuba, and other places. Um, and and I think that they felt the urge, and maybe sometimes inspired by other people who are brave men and women who are going taking the streets all around the world, um, claiming their own fate and uh, chanting and trying to topple dictatorian and authoritarian um, regimes, as we talked about it here in the podcast in um, Belarus, in Ukraine, and uh, Myanmar, Burma, and so on and so on. So maybe this is something that 
could develop. We also have seen um, Cuban exiles in the United States, in Florida, in several places, marching in solidarity, calling SOS Cuba. There's a hashtag SOS Cuba calling and urging the international community and especially the United States and Biden's administration to take step and support the Cuban people. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the part about demonstrations in solidarity with the Cuban people because there is such a large population of Cubans in Miami, for example, and we did see hundreds of people in different locations basically showing their support for the frustration the civilians in Havana and other Cuban cities are showing. We're going to actually stick in this part of the world for our next story that you might have missed over the past week having to do with Haiti. We saw the president of Haiti last week assassinated in a shocking development leading to questions about the future of this country. Now the United States is involved and will be assisting trying to get to the bottom of exactly what happened. And I, it seems to be very complicated because we hear a lot of uh, conflicting reports about what happened in Haiti. But it all started at 1 a.m. on Wednesday, July 7th. Um, according to one media outlet, the Juno 7 broke the news that the Haitian president, jo Jovenel Moisi, was assassinated in his presidential palace. His wife was wounded too. And... According to the Haitian investigator, a, a group of two dozen mercenaries, two of them are U.S. Haitian citizens, few of them are members of Colombia, some of them are ex-soldiers, stormed the villa in the outskirts of Port-au-Prince, the capital, shot the president 12 times. Um, a few a few of the people were arrested, um, and one um, in the past few days, one person who the police, the local police, is saying that he's the mastermind behind the attack. His name is Christian Emmanuel Sanon, um, was um, arrested. He entered Haiti via a private jet a few days before, and in his um, apartment or home. Um, there were uh, the, the police found DEA vests and um, a lot of ammunition. Um, the DEA is important because the assassinators have been dressing as uh, or masking themselves as DEA agents, and they seemed that it was a DEA um, raid on the presidential palace. Um, we have. Still don't know exactly what happened. The timeline is a bit confusing. Some people say it was it was later. Um, we don't know what happened to the people who have been arrested. Some say some of them have been released. Some have disappeared and no one heard from them anymore. His wife, uh, Martyr, is blaming his opposition. She's currently in Florida getting treatment for her wounds. Um, and she claims that um, he was trying to do constitutional changes that his um, counterparts are against, and that's why they have been um, maybe assassinating him. Uh, currently, there's no one who's in charge, which is also something that might spiral the violence and the instability. Um, and hopefully the U.S. delegation that arrived yesterday um, will help the security forces and with will local politicians to sort out this chaos. You've been listening to You're Not Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. We'll be right back. I want to get to our last story this week in news that people might have missed having to do with Somalia and a blast that occurred over the weekend. 
Yes, um, the El Shabab uh, organization, we talked about it. It's um, a terrorist organization that is affiliated with Al Qaeda in Somalia, has targeted the chief of police of Mogadishu. Um, this is the capital on uh, a busy afternoon day. Um, and a suicide car bombing was targeting the chief of police um, motorcade, exploded. At least nine people have been killed. Ten were injured from the explosion. Um, the guy, the chief of police, Farhan Muhammad, used to lead the special police unit that fights the Al-Shabaab organization, and they were targeting him specifically. Um, he survived, and he vowed that he will continue to fight the Al-Shabaab. We talked about how Somalia is struggling with the Al-Qaeda-affiliates uh, militants as Al-Shabaab, along with other countries that are bordering it. Um, they have been pushed away from the capital in about 10 years ago, but they're still aiming to control more and more um, parts of the country, not only in the remote, remote areas away from the capital, but again, and this is something that seems to be escalating. And again, this is not the first explosion or attack in Mogadishu. We've seen several over the past few weeks, and unfortunately, we might see some more. Yeah, I know earlier this month, there was a blast that hit a tea shop killing 10 people that according to the Associated Press, and we know that major attack last month when a suicide bomb killed 15 at a military base in Somalia. Obviously, al-Shabaab, a major threat to civilians and military police infrastructure inside the country. Our good news story this week, a major good news story, actually, probably could have just been a regular story someone may have missed, having to do with pandas in China. Yes, um, and I'm very happy and thrilled to announce that the giant panda uh, species is no longer considered to be endangered in the wild. It's now only um, defined as vulnerable with a population of 1,800 panda bears. Um, and this is thanks to the uh, very persistent way of the Chinese uh, Wildlife Foundation and Ministry and the Department of Nature and Ecology conversation that, that they have put a lot of effort and a lot of finance of um, protecting the, these cute and adorable animals. Um, but despite this fa fabulous news that was also um, gridded out by many people, not just only me and Trey on social media, of one of the most wonderful news that we have heard in a while, uh, we do need to understand that uh, we need to monitor them and help um, the panda population because they rely mostly on bamboo. And the climate change could destroy more than 35% of the bamboo habitat in the next 50 to 80 years. You're not feeling a Fox News senior field producer joining us once again on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. You're not. Thank you. Thanks, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.